finally dude okay this is literally my third take trying to do this because the first time just felt completely awkward the entire um intro just was stupid and then the second time it had a pretty freaking good intro and then realized all of my notes that are currently f- on my phone right now which you it's my phone's recording this right now it was on my phone so I had to stop that and i was like i'm gonna cut it you know but it's like no nah, let's let's just redo this sucker you know, third time is a charm. So what I was saying in my previous intro was the fact that we're towards the end of the UFC season and me and Bianca, Bianca's coming back tonight. It is Thursday. I really wanted to get an episode out beforehand, but I just didn't really get around to it. And it stinks though, because UFC 269 is, was by far one of the most exciting fights um, cards of the year. I know I say that about every single one, but genuinely it was, if I didn't nickel for every time I freaking said genuinely one of the best cards ever, but it really was something insane. There was a lot of interesting talking points too, um, that were kind of brought up as each fight, um, got finished and some things I agree with, some things I don't, but anyways, me and Bianca, we really want to do a, um, we're obviously going to do the end of the year episode where I cover, I'm going to go through uh, with my picks and talk about uh, my favorite fights of the year, obviously, that kind of went under the radar, fighters that potentially went under the radar, that need more recognition, and then uh, fighters that are potentially going to explode in 2022. And it just so happens, uh, we'll get to it later, but there's a couple fighters fighting on uh, this fight night this weekend that are absolute dark horses in their divisions and could light it up. And uh, uh, there was one person that commented on my video, one of the comments, solid comments, one of my, sh- you know, one of the fans, you know, they um, wanted me to talk about Amanda Lemos more. And I talked about her prior in a video where I ranked some of my favorite women's fighters and what, like which ones are must-see TV every single time. And I did the same thing with men's fighters, I believe. But I guess since we're kind of in this, I want to keep this sucker under 20 minutes, but I guess since we're on the topic, topic of Amanda Lemos, let's bring her up. She, and then we'll talk about my second dark horse that's on this card. Okay, Amanda Lemos. I mean, one of the most scary 115ers in the entire UFC division. And the reason for this is a lot of the girls in strawweight, they're really good. really technical. There's some really good technical strikers, but... Not a lot of them can put your lights out. And if there's one that everybody needs to be on notice for, it's Amanda Lemos. Because one punch knockout power, the first fight I watched her was in the Lavinia Souza fight. Yeah, Lavinia Souza fight. And it was a power jab. Not even It wasn't even a, a haymaker shot. It was just an accumulation of strikes and then just powerful shots that Souza absorbed. And then finally, it was just a power jab that just dropped her, dropped her straight, right, right down on her butt while she was against the fence. And from that point on, I've been absolutely captivated by Amanda Lemos, and I'm going to follow her for as long as possible. I was, um, she's 34, she's right in her prime. And then she, when she fought Maserat, uh, I, t- I literally told my dad, I was like, dude, this fight is not going to last. And you're going to want to watch this girl fight because she th- has some seriously ill intentions when she throws she throws heat seeking missiles for 115 you don't see that that often especially in the smaller weight divisions you don't see people that are putting people's lights out um and yeah amanda lemos i want to look up really fast i don't think she is she ranked she better be dude 
straw weight. Amanda Lemos, number 11. Oh, yeah, she's fighting Angela Hill, yeah. Or, yeah, is that right? I'm pretty sure she's fighting Angela Hill. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an interesting fight. I, I, I just feel really bad for Angela Hill because nobody else in this UFC in the division f- hits like Amanda Lemos, and I really think that she could become a serious champion. But first, before she becomes champion, I have a lot, a lot of faith that Mahina Rodriguez is going to be right up there same with Jan Jonan as long as she gets that um grappling game down because Carlos Barza kind of exposed her a little bit there Mac Dern's right up there uh, um Tisha Torres is a freaking tornado there the the women's strawweight division like I've said multiple times is my one of my favorites to watch just because they have so much skill they're so technical but there's something that the other people don't have and that's power and Amanda Lemos is basically the one that one that has the most power in the entire top 15. She can put out anybody in the division with one punch. The other one that is has pretty good striking, though, is Mahina Rodriguez. She can take a shot, and then she'll throw five or six shots at you. Her boxing is phenomenal. But Amanda Lemos, serious dark horse. I'll talk about more, I'll talk more about her um, in an upcoming episode because she's seriously primed to explode, especially if she gets this win, win over a tough Angela Hill. She could hold that belt by the end of 20, 2022. Hot take. Hot take. And then next one, I was thinking about this literally in the shower and I was like, dude, I need to talk about this right now because this man by the name of Mataj Gamrot is also primed to have one of the biggest 2022s, especially if he can get this dub against a tough Diego Fijera. I really think this fight is going, this is obviously a big step up in competition for Mataj, but, and Diego is not to be you cannot overlook this guy his scrambles especially in his Gregor Gillespie fight um it's so much fun to watch him on the ground and that's what that's um Mataj Gamrot's game he's the gamer he likes to get you to the ground he's going to get on a single or a double and he's trying to get you to the ground and then he's going to find a submission and this is what I really wanted to bring up when it comes to 155 pounders there's so many dangerous guys there's so many dangerous strikers there's dangerous grapplers but in terms like we chill saw and everybody's saying one of the biggest things that makes you the most danger- dangerous, obviously, I'm being Captain Obvious right now, but it's the fact that you have to have multiple ways to win fights. When one thing, when one aspect isn't going for you, you have to just be able to adapt, and that's what Charles Oliveira does. He knew he was outmatched on the feet for the most part. I mean, power-wise with Dustin Poirier, but he finds a way to get it to the ground, and he finds a way to get Dustin into his realm. And that's what Mataj does. He uses his, he's got pretty slick boxing. He's got, I really like how high his guard is. I really like his feints. And he just always has his opponent on edge kind of because they're always looking for that takedown. But he also has the knockout power, which makes him especially scary. We saw that in the Scott Holtzman fight where he just, he can put you out with a quick one, two right down the middle. And, and then it's lights out, party's over. But the thing is when you're so, when, when you're thinking about that, it gets you distracted from the fact that he can shoot at any any time. And he has a really fast takedowns. Like he'll just he's a blur. And then he'll be in on one leg and he'll be grabbing your ankle or he'll be working his way, like passing your guard and then ground and pound, or he'll find your back and he'll choke you out. Or he'll slip in a freaking Kimura like he did to Jeremy Stevens. Putting Jeremy Stevens in a Kimura is not an easy thing to do. Um yeah, I really think Mataj if he can get past Diego Fijera, the sky's the limit for this guy. I really, he has that one loss to Guram Kataladze, but I also want to talk about him. I really, I want, I don't think he has a fight. He had a, yeah, he had the Don Maj bout canceled twice, but he's another guy that he trains with Hamzat. 
anybody trains with Hamza, you got to know he's a savage and his striking. I watch him when he hits mitts on his Instagram or anything. He's just a big kind of long lengthy guy, especially at lightweight. Um, the, this whole entire lightweight division, I mean, uh, uh, everything got my last episode, everything got kind of jacked up because I did my episode on a Monday and then the rankings get updated on Tuesday. So that kind of mess everything up, but I made some cuts, you know, didn't use my editing skills, but Joel Alvarez, Brad Riddell, Armand Saruki, and Rafael Faziv insert Mataj Gamrot after he gets a dub over Diego Figuera. If he does, I'm not. I am not going to um, dismiss Diego Figuera because he's so dangerous. And I feel really do. I believe this man has been so criminally underrated. He was in the. I believe he was in the top five for a long time. I had no idea who this guy was, and then we saw him fight Benil Darius. That was a tough loss. And then obviously Gregor Gillespie um, got the best of him, but Gregor's an absolute stud. And that the Gregor Gillespie. I know I'm going off on a tangent right now because. Kevin Lee's on my mind because he just signed with Eagle FC, which is a big move. I kind of want to talk about 165 pound division a little bit, like if UFC was to get one. But Gregor Gillespie, um, he lost to Kevin Lee. And Kevin Lee's an absolute man. He's a big man. Like, he's so good. And that, that just, I feel like that win just goes to show where Kevin Lee belong. He belongs in the UFC, no doubt. He just hasn't had that right weight class. And I really was thinking hard about this, what UFC fighters would benefit most from it at 65. And obviously, first one that comes to mind is um, besides Kevin Lee, because Kevin Lee is the poster boy for 165-pound division. But it is, to me, you could go Colby Covington all day. And then obviously Dustin Poirier. I got to think about more, but some of the tweeners, I know it's like hard to justify 165-pound division because it's, the fighters are just so f- few and far between, you know, because... You got guys that can make 155 and they're pretty good. Oh, and then Joel Alvarez, you know, he's been missing. Um, he's been missing 155, uh, I think, the past two times now. And he would be a good 165 probably because his, his 6'3 frame. But, yeah, I was trying to, if you could, if you could, I'm interested to see if you guys could come up with a solid 165-pound division. I mean, obviously, there's not a ton of guys, but there's, there's definitely some tweeners in there that... Um, like a Gilbert Burns, something, someone like that. Even Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, I, I was just really thinking like if I, if I, I could ask Dana White one question, it would probably be with the UFC and MMA kind of evolving so rapidly. You know, could you see eventually a shift to a 165 pound division, scrap 170? Um, go 175 and then just go 55, 65, 75. I really think that that is going to be a real option in the future, especially given the fact everything's growing. Um, mixed martial arts is becoming a mainstream sport that young kids are hopping on the bandwagon. We just saw that Blanchfield girl take out a tough Miranda Maverick. And she, what is she? She's like 20, in her early 20s. And she's hasn't missed on a takedown attempt against Miranda Maverick, who a lot of people, including myself, believe that could be a 125-pound champ. Crazy stuff, man. I, I, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, nothing's out of question in terms of uh, a 165-pound division in the UFC. It is a very real possibility for the reasons I just stated, you know, because you're getting 
four-year-olds five-year-olds they're transitioning from wrestling straight into mma like you know like when they get out of high school they're going straight into mma when and then they're, they're training jujitsu when they're young kids yeah it's becoming mainstream and i really think a 165 pound division is going to be a valid option in the future and eagle fc they're gonna have some good fighters you know i'm gonna definitely get a tune in when t- kevin lee fights for sure um yeah dude but going back to Matouche, man's is gonna be set prime if he gets this dub he's gonna be sitting pretty and there's so many fun matchups for him and there's in to be perfectly honest when i'm looking at guys in the top 15 that have a chance against him obviously they do have a chance but gamrod's right up there i mean he's really similar style to sarukian really similar um they're just strong powerful dudes man i don't know how else to explain it there's just so many players there at 155 even tiago moises just got knocked out of the rankings by joel alvarez but i'm really high on that guy too he's got a lot of room for improvement still super young 155 i know everybody keeps saying 155 is so deep 155 is so deep like it's the deepest division but i I, i'm sorry i gotta give that crown to bantamweight for sure dude okay so i've got amanda lemos please look out for her she's insane and then i obviously have mataj gamrot who is the man i love him so much he's so much fun to watch and he just has all of his opponents on edge. I'm really expecting him to get a dub over Diego Fijera. I really think that he's going to get um, an impressive first round finish. And just because that's what he did against. He's just, I just want really want him to ride his momentum because the sky's the limit for that dude. I really like, he's so humble too. He's just, he's a gamer, dude. That's, he's the man. Um, yeah. Okay. Now really quick. There's a few things that I want to talk about that have to do with UFC 269, but I'm not going to break down the fight or anything. But I I wanted to say Kai Carfront's amazing against Cody Garbrandt. But title shot, I really don't know. Everybody wants to give him a title shot, and I'm sure so many people tuned into UFC 269 that they wouldn't be mad. There's just a lot of dudes up there that deserve a title shot too. Because you're having... Moreno and Figueredo, they're going to fight. Askar Askarov, by far, is the most deserving. He can beat seriously anybody. He went to draw with the current champ right now. All Jean de Pantosian puts it on anybody. And Manel Cap, you got to insert him too because he's at 14 and he's just as good as anybody in the top five. We saw that. He went toe to toe with Al Jean de Pantosian in his first fight in the UFC. And yeah, dude, I can't wait to also go through this fight night too. There's so many. Um, kind of parallels i feel like between these last few cards and this last fight night which is really exciting and one thing i know i'm kind of all over the place here but if this is has to be in my opinion the prime time the best time in ufc history because i was looking at the ufc schedule because i was going through schedule i was looking for ufc schedule um and the amount of amazing events that have been put on back to back to back since the Kamara Usman fight is absolutely incredible. So um, we had, yeah, we had Usman coming in two. And then we had Holloway Rodriguez, Yair. And then we had Vieira Tate, um, Font Aldo, Oliveira Poirier, and now this Dacus car versus. Derek Lewis and then I'm not just saying the main events but 
just all the fights underneath and the undercard and prelims. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. A person can all there's fights on every single level, early prelims, prelims, and on the main card that will captivate anybody from around the world as long as you just see the right fight. There's at least one or two fights on each of those levels of the early prelims, prelims, and main card where it's like, dude, that's legit. That's like what I want to watch every single time. When Song Yidong fights, when Billy Corantillo fights, uh, Rafael Fazeev cap- will captivate anybody. Um, Armand Sarukian, there's just so many good guys. And notice how I just said a bunch of um, 155ers. But Adrian Yanez, guys like that, those are the dudes that get people excited and will just make fans for life. You know what I mean? Uh, one, another thing. I keep saying one thing, another thing. Uh, next for Sean O'Malley. One thing I wanted to say. Keep saying that. Sean, fight Song Yudong, dude. Fight Song Yudong. You're not in any rush. I mean, here's the deal. I really have grown to appreciate Sean O'Malley's skills. Hallian Paiva's a dude. He is a guy. He's the dude that everybody believed was the toughest test. I still think Cheeto Vera, obviously, is the toughest test. Sean O'Malley's got to fight either Song Yidong or... Okay, I'm really fast. This is what I'm going to say right now. Sean O'Malley beat Frankie Edgar, Pedro Munoz, Marlon Moraes. He beats Dominic Cruz. Um, He gives Rob Font problems, I promise. He'll... Marab, no, no chance. Um, Corsair Hagen definitely gives him ish, definitely beats Sean Jose. You never know. You never know. I, I, I don't know. And TJ Dillashaw, you never know. You seriously don't know. Piotr Jan, nobody's beating that guy. That guy's the best in the entire world. Um, yeah, Aljamain, uh, Sean probably has a good chance. Just going through that though, those are the top guys in the bantamweight division, and for the majority. Of them, I can see Sean O'Malley beating them, but there's a few guys. Song Yudong can definitely beat Sean O'Malley for shizzle. Um, and then our boy Cheeto Vera. A lot of people don't think that Cheeto Vera can win in that fight, in a rematch, as long as his leg doesn't go out. But Cheeto Vera, that guy is, I really want to watch this episode on Joe Rogan. That guy's one of the most resilient dudes you'll see. His story, I mean, his background, he's so tough. And I, it's respect. Like, at the end of the day, when you're watching a fight, you don't always want to see guys high five in between every round. Gito's, I, I respect the fact that he goes in there. All he cares about is his family and nothing else and winning. And I love that about him. And it, it may rub people the wrong way when he doesn't think he gets a decision and he won't really show a ton of respect. But he trains us butt off for that moment and if he believes he want to fight i don't really blame him for being not the best sport especially if a fight is really close like a song Yidong fight but song i think song it was a close fight but you gotta kind of give it up to a guy like song song's gonna bring the fight to you he's not trying to stay away from you he's not trying to outpoint you he's trying to finish you every single time so that's what i kind of sucked that he didn't give song a ton of respect but chart i know people didn't really like the fact that he didn't um he like flipped off Frankie at one point in the fight or something and he didn't show a ton of respect, but it is all love at the end of the day. Marlon's a good dude and I, I'm a big fan of him. I really wish they put him in the UFC freaking video game. There's so many guys that I wish were in UFC four that I want to play with. Um, 
such as Giga Chikaze, such as Cheeto Vera, such as um, like uh, Rafael Fazib, just insane strikers that would be so much fun to just do stand and bangs with. Uh, who else would be really good? I was I was trying to go through and pick somebody at like each weight class that I would really enjoy having on the but I'll, I'll do that for our awards episode because i need to go through um but yeah it's crazy that i really i stopped my really good intro on my second attempt but i haven't even really looked at my notes okay should we just is there anything else regarding ufc 269 um oh ceiling on tie to ivasa i really am liking what i'm seeing from this guy i think what did he drop he dropped, uh, did he drop three fights in a row or was it three or two fights? Let me check. Yeah. He dropped fights to Junior Dos Santos, Blago Ivanov, and Sergey Spivak. All tough, tough guys. And then he comes back against Hunsucker Struve, Greg Hardy, and a guest of Sakai, who's a world-class striker. So, he's... He kind of just stalks you down, dude. And he's got the one punch knockout power, and he looks, he has clean boxing. And, and one thing, one question mark, I don't know, but he did shoot for a takedown, so that's got to show a little bit of confidence, right? In his ground game abilities. I don't know, man. I see this guy challenging at the top. A few more wins. Why not give him Derek Lewis? Why not give him Alexander Volkov? You know, especially that Alexander Volkov fight is extremely interesting because Volkov can get touched up, even though he's so long. And I believe Ty can get in the inside and light him up. Tom Aspinall's right up there with another dark horse. And then heavyweight division, he can take down basically anybody. He doesn't have that really like thudding knockout power we saw that in the andre orlovsky fight but andre's chin is complete cement so we don't really know i know tom tom can put you out no doubt yeah he took out uh sergey spivak with an elbow or whatever um i thought that was gonna be maybe an upset i was so wrong but tied to Ivasa, maybe give him freaking winner of lewis Dawkins. jump him up there he's a big fan favorite imagine what he does for the sport if he becomes a champ or gets in that top five, top three, he does so much fan engagement. He cares, genuinely cares about fans and you can just tell he's a genuinely nice person. He's not just there for the sport. He's there for the whole entire experience. And that is really, that just gives off an accepting vibe and people just want to get behind you. They want to back you and that's going to increase pay-per-view numbers. You better believe. And when anyone hears, sees money signs, he's going to propel him. And I th- really think that this is what they had envisioned for Tai Tuivasa the entire time. He He's genuinely not scared of anybody. When I when I saw him in his win against Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy is a freaking scary person to be standing across from, especially when he's giving you the death stare. And Tai doesn't care. He doesn't look phased by the moment. Nothing, No moment is too big for that guy. And it's serious respect. Um, I think the sky's the limit for him as well. He can become a champion. I know it's a tough task. Cyril Gano, Francis Gano at the top of the mountain. Those men are beasts. But at the end of the day, it comes down to mindset. And if you're not scared of anybody, you got a, you got a, you got a shot. 
and Ty went from unranked to number 11 just like that. And he could jump another freaking five, six spots with a, a win over. Uh, I mean, you could maybe, I would give him the loser of Lewis Dawkins, or you could give him like a Rosenstrike or something. But I really like that. In terms of if I'm like his manager, a Volkov fight would be fantastic for him. But yeah, that's it, dude. I, I really, I'm a believer in Tai Tuivasa. He's not just a fluke. He's he's really putting stuff together, and he's gonna make he's gonna make some noise at heavyweight. Okay, so we've got Mandalemo, key fighter to watch in the card. We've got that done. Um, yeah. Okay, let's go. Let's go through the card all together. I guess. Just some quick picks. Keep this sucker under thirty, I guess, because I'm a little over that now. Um. Yeah, this card. All right, we'll go through my faves. Charles Jordan, Andre Yule. This is the sleeper fight of the night to watch. Andre Yule, very dynamic. He's coming off a couple losses, though. He fought Julio Arce, which is never easy. Never easy. And then Chris Gutierrez, who's also another dynamic striker. But before they got him, went over um, Aaron Rivera, you know, who was a tough guy while he was in the UFC. And Jonathan Martinez, who, as we've seen, is a phenom. Um, and then Charles Jordan, same kind of guy, really exciting. Both of these guys' styles are just a classic UFC match, a classic undercard bout between Charles Jordan and Andre. You're just going to see two guys that are going to put it all on the line and somebody's going to come out on top, dude. Uh, I really, I really am liking Charles Jordan in this fight, but Andre Yule could surprise me for sure. And then Toffa, Toffa's got such good head movement. I really like Justin Toffa versus, uh, Harry Hunsucker. Toffa's going to get this dub because, I just have faith in him, dude. He's a scrapper. He's kind of just like Carlos Felipe. He lost that split decision to Carlos Felipe. But he's got a pretty good gas tank as well for being such a big guy. And I really like his head movement, really like his boxing. I think he's going to get the job done. Howdy Barcelos. This is what I'm going to talk about here. Howdy Barcelos got absolutely screwed in his team or Valley fight. I thought he won that fight. When you knock somebody down like twice, that should be enough to win you the fight. Honestly, when you knock someone down twice in the second round and then all the other rounds are razor thin, you should not give the fight to the other guy. It should come down to damage and it should come down to it should come down to the fact that the other guy didn't even come close to what you did to him, you know? Did the other did Team Valley have knock him down? Absolutely not. Did he knock Team Valley down twice? Around that? Like once or twice? Yeah, he did. So he should get the dub. Especially when all, rounds 1 and 2 or or 1 and 3 or whatever were not even that Close. And Howling Barcelos, he is another one of my dark horses, dude. 100% a dark horse at Bantamweight. Bantamweight is one of the most stacked divisions in the sport. We already know this. But he stands out amongst a lot of other guys because he can stand with anybody in Bang. He's got great grappling, dude. I mean, he's got all of the makings to be right up there in terms of let's uh, i want to go through like who who would give him problems i mean a lot of guys he, he can beat his sons out he beat edgar he beats as much as it sucks to say he probably beats yadong he probably beats stamen i give him i give him a hell, like a great shot against sean he definitely can beat marlon marais definitely can beat pedro munoz um definitely can beat dominic cruz marlon vera like he's he's a top five he's a secret top five bantamweight and that's a fact. He can beat anybody in the top 15. He can beat anybody in the top 10. Top five is where it gets a little, it's good, it gets a little hairy in there, you know, as in terms of guaranteeing. But Howney, he's the guy, and I really like him in this fight. I don't even know who's really fighting, dude, honestly. But I was really upset. He should not have lost his last fight, and 
more people need to talk about bad judging because there's a few fights in there such as jeff neal versus santiago ponzinibbio what are we doing there a 30 27 uh-uh no i thought ponzinibbio won i was surprised at the fact that so many people thought jeff neal won i don't know attack me attack me now in the comments honestly attack me now because there's been so many fights is is is, is bad refing just going to become a thing honestly is it just just going to become a part of the ufc altogether i really don't want it to be i get sick and tired of this crap dude there's so many fights that go under the radar such as Khalil roundtree versus marching prachnio Khalil roundtree knocked the guy down like three times in one fight had him absolutely bruised and battered and still lost i don't understand that it just bought it's mind-boggling how many bad decisions there are and it seems like the same freaking guys are judging the same fights every single time i don't get it i don't understand open scoring please open scoring and i was thinking you know what's one of the hardest jobs in the entire world who keeps track of significant strikes strikes who keeps track of the leg kicks who keeps track of the punches how do we know that that's an exact number like how do we even know that you know even though the judges don't know those numbers, but when I'm seeing it on the on the screen, who's keeping track of that? And some of these firefights, it gets crazy. You need to have sensors in the gloves or something, bro. I don't. I could. I certainly couldn't do it. It happened too fast. And it, who who's to say it's significant? You know, I don't know. Honey Barcellus, though, he's the man. He's gonna get this dub over Victor Henry, and I really he can beat anybody in the world, and he's gonna get up there trust me he's right on the he's on the outside looking in in terms of looking in on the top 15 gerald mershot upset of the century against Mahmoud miradov dude was not expecting that dustin solstice coming off that tough dub against adolfo vera adolfo's finally get it rolling he gassed out against uh um the hernandez guy what's his name is it anthony yeah was it anthony hernandez let me check yeah 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 it was yeah anthony hernandez is kind of a stud okay now, I'm going. I'm going Gerald all day. Gerald's got my faith back. I was doubting him. I was seriously doubting him after the Hamzat fight. But you gotta remember, Hamzat's Hamzat, and Hamzat needs to fight Andre Mooney's, and that is a fact. Andre Mooney's versus Hamzat Shemaev will be one of that would be one of the craziest fights ever. Because you're gonna have two guys that are just going like this, trying to take you down. Andre Mooney's. It's only a matter of time before he gets your back. It's only a matter of time before he gets a submission attempt in. Hamza Chimaev, it's only a matter of time before he gets a double leg on you. It's only a matter of time before he takes your back or gets passes your guard and starts pounding you. It'd be a fun fight. I have honestly no idea who would win that fight. Okay, I'm Darren the Damage Elkins versus Cub Swanson. Derek Miner just fought. Um, did pretty good against Ryan Hall, but couldn't get the job done. But I think Darren Elkins is going to get this dub over Cub Swanson. I just, I'm rooting for Darren Elkins. He's the man. Even though Cub Swanson is, he's so good, but... I'm not even going to, like, the, the Giga Chikadze fight doesn't even count. It was a Giga kick. What are you going to do, you know? But I really want, I'm just pulling for Darren Elkins. Dude, he went from z- literally zero to 100. He went from, what was it, five-fight losing streak? He's the man. He, he had a four-fight losing streak. And then he beat Garagori, nobody expected. Not even me. And then he beat Derek Minner. Now he's going to go, let's make it a three-fight win streak, dude. Go out on top. Go out on top. Then we talked about the Mataj Gamrot, Diego Fijera fight. Rafael Sunsal versus Ricky Simone. That's what I'm going to say here. Another guy at the bantamweight division who's going to put everybody on notice is Ricky Simone. I follow this guy. He's this, he's a stud. He'll hold you on the mat for 15 minutes or he'll knock you out. 
And that's what I love about him, dude. And this uh, Sunset fought, has a Sunset fought since the Garment, right? No, he hasn't. Oh, dude. A Sunset was going to fight Howney and Kyler Phillips? That's tough. But Ricky Simone is going to put... He's going to turn this in. Could he turn... If he turns this into a four-far win streak, bro, is he Is he even... Is, is Ricky ranked? I don't even think Ricky's ranked. Dude, Ricky Simone. I really wanted him. He had a little bit of steam with Sean O'Malley, but that didn't come into fruition, obviously. I would really have liked that fight to happen. Ricky will put your lights out. Standing or on the ground. I, re- I love Ricky. He's so much fun to watch, dude. Brian Kelleher, basically that um one uh dude what's his name bro it was like a oh yeah domingo palarte oh shoot sees brian boom kelleher he's gonna be fighting syed um syed yakub kakramanov the guy who beat trevin five star jones bro that's crazy that's gonna be sick syed yakub kakramanov doesn't get tired like that's a fact he like doesn't get tired at all so and he'll ground and pound you he'll hold you up against the fence and just beat on you for 15 minutes that's gonna be crazy i'm looking forward to that fight brian boom keller does not give up it's gonna be it's gonna be a grinder of a match i'm gonna be tired watching that fight for sure dang that's gonna be a that's gonna be a grinder serious grinder go brian go saeed love him Rafael Sunset versus Ricky Smell. Ricky Smell's going to get that dub all day. Amanda Lemos is going to get that knockout over Angela Hill. Trust me, first round knockout, dude. First round knockout. Angela Hill's tough, though. She's tough, but I don't see it. Steven Thompson, Bilal Muhammad. Everybody's talking about Hamzat Shemaya. Bilal, Steven, Bilal, you don't want any of Hamzat, honestly. Hamzat is the man. Um, I'm not to brag or anything, but I kind of owned Hamzat. I was, who was I? I forget who I was in the UFC for, but I owned him. I stuffed all of his takedowns, and then I cracked him a few times. Oh, I was Vicente Luque, dude. I pieced him up on the feet a little bit. That's a good fight. That's a good fight right there. Vicente Luque's um, ground game's underrated. Underrated. Stephen Thompson, Bilal Muhammad, though. I'm going... I'm going... Uh, Stephen Thompson. He's going to bounce back. It's going to be a tough fight. It's going to be a grimy fight, but I think Stephen's going to get the dub here. You know, Gilbert Burns kind of put it on him, but Gilbert Burns did get hurt a few times. And I think that same kind of style in that Gilbert Burns fight is going to happen here. Bilal Muhammad's going to kind of get him on the fence a little bit, maybe get him to the ground, but Steven's going to crack him. Bilal's going to make, I don't know. I like Bilal though. He's great. Derek Lewis, Kyle Do- Chris Dawkins. It's a new time. Chris Dawkins is going to get the win. I don't know. Derek Lewis though, never bet against that guy because all takes one shot. Watch out. So, I mean, let me see here. What are we at? 34? I mean, that's that's a Joe Rogan style podcast. 34 minutes? Dude, that's like a quarter. Not even. that. Yeah, that's like a quarter or a fifth of a Joe Rogan podcast, honestly. I'm, I'm excited, though. Do you guys want to hear a little bit of my questions that I have for next one? Uh, next episode? I'm going to go. I'm gonna name a few fighters that deserve a lot of recognition that don't get talked about nearly enough. But... Yeah, I'm not gonna. Also, for my fight of the year picks, I'm not gonna be super. I'm not gonna be super like obvious. Obviously, we got Chandler Gaethje. I'm not gonna say that, but I am gonna say a few of the Brad Riddell fights because that guy's the guy. He's the man. He's the man. But okay, I'm gonna sign off here. I got a few things off my chest. Mandelamosh, Mataj Gamrot, Ricky Simone. This fight card is going to be. Ooh headline right now dude 
Gamrot versus Amanda Lem. I mean, <laughs> that would be not good. We don't want Amanda Lem versus Mataj Gamrot. But this fight card is low-key, has guys setting them up into going to 2022. Ricky Simone, Mataj, Amanda Lemos, Hattie Barcellos. Let's go. Those are the people. They're ballers, dude. All right, signing off. Thank you guys so much. I'll try to get this out. ASAP. Bye.